Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain. This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Hey guys, welcome, welcome to back. Shrink Wrap. Welcome to Shrink Wrap. Um, so I think before we get started, we have to talk about the amazing support we have been given since launching launching our first episode. I'm overwhelmed. I'm verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> is it a road? Is it an island? Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Thank you so much for the texts, the cards, the Facebook posts. Yes, I mean, it has been emails. so positive. Thank you. Monday was a very nerve wracking day for Fran and Becky because we were, and ironically, we're talking about anxiety today, but we were super nervous because we are throwing ourselves out there in a very public way and everybody's support and encouragement and suggestions and it's been fantastic. So just thank you. Thank you so much. And today's episode is on anxiety. Um, what if people don't like me? Well, you should be used to that by now. (laughs) (laughs) What if I'm an imposter? An imposter? You mean like you wear masks where you go? What if I fart during the podcast? Well, you know, I'm going to be down with that because the Kook household is a gassy household. So I'll feel right at home. (laughs) Down to the dog, I tell you. (laughs) What if I do something really awkward? So I love that you're saying that because what is what if? Uh Uh-huh. What is it? What if is the battle cry of anxiety? Oh, hell yeah. Hell to the yeah. Yeah. What if, what if, what if, what if? I don't know. What if you get hit by a bus when you leave? There are no buses really in Aberdeen. Okay. You're making jokes of my anxiety because I can honestly tell you, Becky, I have woke up every morning between 2.30 and 3 a.m. Just look back at your text. When I was going to say, really, you. I'd have no idea because I wake up at 7 and I'm like, she texted me at 2.40 in the morning. <laughs> Take some trazodone and get some sleep I'm already. I'm telling you, I am seriously wigging out because yeah. I'm nervous. As much as I'm excited about this podcast, I'm freaking out. I'm I'm nervous that what if, seriously, I ruin my reputation. Um, people think well, I'm weird. It's it's exciting, but yeah. it's scary. It really is. And you know what I'm going to say to you? Cause you just brought that up. You are weird. And it is why I love you so much. Um, we're both just kind of weird. And I also think that's why a lot of our clients like us because we're not, we're not doing counseling from some like mountaintop where we're like, Oh, I'm all mentally perfect. And, yeah. No, we have our things. And last week I talked about, um, my depression and that episode's going to be airing soon. And I am so glad that you're going to share what your anxiety has been like. And who doesn't have anxiety? Is I there really anybody don't. out there? Like if you are, could you please message us? Cause we want to do a study Maybe on we you. should take some lessons <laughs> because I'm serious with this pandemic on top of, you know, people's already anxious sort of things going on. It has absolutely just blown up. It has. And I know I'm at the point where normal seems abnormal. And so when people are like, Hey, um, we're going to get together before the basketball game. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can do that because mm-hmm. I haven't done it for a year. Right. Like, I don't know how to socialize anymore. Yeah. 
Because anxiety equals avoidance, which basically means, yeah, I'll go. And then at the last minute, I'm going to freaking bail because my sweatpants are really comfortable. And then I have to put on jeans and God only knows if I can squeeze into them. Yeah. I don't know if they button anymore. I know. I have a couple of pairs that do, but that's about it. That's okay. (laughs) But that seriously, anxiety equals avoidance. Yes. And we always say, or I always say that neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. And so when you're anxious and you avoid, what do you teach your anxious brain? You teach your anxious brain that the only way to not feel anxious is to avoid. Mm -hmm. And then you just continue to avoid and continue to avoid. And again, I'm going to say this probably 400 times throughout this podcast. Everybody has anxiety. It's Mm -hmm. just to what degree. Mm -hmm. And again, if you don't, please write us. I don't know if we said it in the depression episode. I'm Maybe we did. But depression and anxiety are genetic. And one thing we didn't mention is they're contagious. And I know for me, like Mm. I'm an energy absorber. Yes. So if I talk to someone like in session and they are just going on and on and they're super, super anxious, my body literally starts vibrating, vibrating. Does your stomach just not? Because my stomach will not. It doesn't, but I'm vibrating. And I know like after that session, I've got to just like Go do some meditation, do some deep breathing, have to cleanse that shit out. I will sage my office. Yeah. Well, imagine living with someone who's vibrating. Well, yeah. Or just being that person. Right. You know, if we're feeling that affected by being in their presence, imagine what it's like to live with that. Right. Whether it's as a partner or just as yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the genetic thing because I want to tell everybody the story of when my oldest daughter came to see you mm-hmm. and I'm not telling Are you sure she's not going to kill you. I'm not telling tales out of school because she promotes our podcast and literally says when your mom and your therapist start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, she's totally cool with it. And we've had talks at home about what I'm allowed to share and not okay, share. Love you, Allison. Yeah. And so you came in my office and I said to you, okay, Fran, I'm going to take my therapist hat off and I'm going to put my mom hat on. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Like Jim and I are the parents who were like, just do your best. And as long as you do your best, we love you. Like, where is this freaking anxiety coming from? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. You looked at me and you said, um, genetics. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. You can't fight that stuff. It's powerful. And there's nothing shameful about it. Can we get over the shame and mental health issues? I'm so tired of that stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. When almost every single person deals with it, like, why do we have to? It's like being ashamed of brown eyes. Mm -hmm. And you and I both have beautiful brown eyes. So there's no shame in that game. No, absolutely not. So let's talk about some of the common symptoms of anxiety besides, like I just said, com- the self-talk, you know, yes. constantly worrying what if, about what if, what if, what if, what if, yes, exactly. Yeah. For me, sleeping is huge. I cannot yes. stay asleep. I can get mm-hmm. to sleep, but I cannot stay asleep. So yeah. that's one, but some people have trouble falling asleep. Falling asleep. Yep. Or they wake, they might sleep like X number of hours in a row, but then maybe their alarm is set for six, but they wake up at four. Mm-hmm. And that's has to be just obnoxious. I will tell you last night I was up every two hours because mm. I knew where we were recording today. Right. <laughs> I was super nervous about it. Yeah. 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 But anxiety is really recognizing, okay, my worry is out of control. Like I feel like I can't get a grasp of it. I yes. can't control it. So that's a symptom. It is. And I think trying to control things that are out of your control is like anxiety in a nutshell. But I also think we see... Um, 
I see people who are like, I'm at work and I can't concentrate. Mm-hmm. Like somebody tells me something or I have to like type out a, a, a paper or a whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to retype it like four times. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a body thing. Like I feel super fatigued. I feel tight in my shoulders. I'm more likely to get a headache or a stomach ache. There's physical symptoms really attached to it for me. Yes. And I think that's pretty common with the clients that I see. Yeah, I would agree. I've done a lot of um, presenting to to various companies and whatever on anxiety. And we talk about irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, easy for me to say, both with diarrhea or constipation. That's one back issues, headaches, neck aches, strokes, cardiovascular issues. Like it's crazy mm-hmm. how anxiety affects us so physically. And so I, I'll tell a story about that. Yes. Oh, let's hear it. This is Brody. Hi, this Brody. is our amazing producer. Producer Brody, but uh, pull back the curtain on me. The, my wife was in the bed having our, or being induced with our first baby, and I could not stop shitting. Oh, no. Mm. I, I was, it, nothing was coming out, but I'm like, I'm going to go shit. And, and the residents and the doctors were all like, oh, look at this. It's new dad's got nervous shits. And I'm like, I guess I totally do. But yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what I was doing as a new dad. And so, yeah. well, I'm just going to go shit my brains out okay. again. And so. your wife is like, I would like to shit too, but yeah. I'd like to shit a baby, please. <laughs> yeah. So both of you had nothing coming out when you wanted it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh my goodness. No, those are very physical symptoms or, um, uh, teeth grinding, jaw pain. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. I get what I call stress eyeball. And I don't, I know, I know other people have this cause I've had people tell me, but it's like my lower lid on one of my eyeballs will just like twitch. twitch. Yeah. Me and I too. call it stress eye. And that's like my check yourself. If yes. my eyeballs twitching, like my lower eyelids twitching, then I need to check in with the stress. That is so weird because mine does too, especially yeah. if I have to testify in court as a witness, oh. I better be doing my deep breathing the whole way over to the courtroom because I will have the eye twitch. Yes. It's horrible. And then you're like the crazy therapist with yes. the twitching eye, but I don't think other people can see it. Oh yeah. People can see Do you it. Think people so? think I'm hitting on them. Cause you're winking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I guess if that's how you got to do your testifying, whatever. Oh my God, whatever works. (laughs) Use your assets. (laughs) But another thing is check to see, like go to the doctor, see if you have hyperthyroidism. Yeah. Because that can manifest anxiety symptoms. Yes. And I'm going to speak from experience because I have hypothyroidism, but there have been times when it's um, my medication has been off. So I'm actually like, if you test me, I test as hyper Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, it does. It feels like your heart's beating out of your chest. Right. So question, have you ever had a panic attack? I have not had a panic attack, but I've had pretty intense heart palpitations. Which is freaky. Yeah. I had a full blown panic attack many, many years ago. We were in Mexico. We only had two kids. So it was over 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and I am scared to death of sharks me too. Thank you. And when I worked at a very psychiatric, Dr. Khan would tease me and he'd be like, you need to get that looked at. And I'm like, a phobia is only a phobia if it interferes with your day-to-day functioning. Yeah. And in South Dakota, it does not. Ain't yeah. no sharks here. <laughs> no, no sharks. sharks in South Dakota. But we were in Mexico and we were talking about going scuba di- or not scuba diving, snorkeling. Yeah. And all I could think, like I was going over my head every shark statistic that I, of course, had researched yeah. before I left. 
And that night I had a full blown panic attack. Like I was freaking out. I couldn't breathe. I was bawling. And my poor husband, he was like, well, you don't have to go. Like you can just sit on the boat. You don't mm-hmm. have to go. Yeah. And then it ended up being windy as hell, like South Dakota windy the next day. So our boat couldn't go out. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. But that's scary. I mean, a mm-hmm. panic attack gets people going to ER because they yes. seriously think they're having a heart attack. And I think with my training, I was able to sit back and go, this is a panic attack. But mm-hmm. if you don't know, right, it would be so scary. It is scary. It's yeah, terrifying for it people. It feels like your heart is beating out of your chest. I do think medical providers are much more aware that this is not a heart attack. This is a panic yes. attack and pulling in mental health resources, which is really good. Yes, I would agree. Um, but it's real. I mean, physiologically, you are jacked up. Yeah. And I think the medical professionals are saying now what is going on in your life, Mm -hmm. which I think is just wonderful that they're asking that question. Tying that in. I mean, the thing that's really scary, though, about panic attacks is there doesn't have to be a trigger, you know? And so people are not connecting the dots. It can just hit you out of the blue. Morning anxiety, I hear from a lot of people, like where you just wake up completely anxious. And that's mm-hmm. a tough one because mm-hmm. we know how to help people with triggers. Right. But when there's no identified trigger, it gets a little trickier. Right. Yeah. Have you guys experienced or not experienced, but familiar with, there's a term called anxiety. It's uh, anxiety that comes after a heavy night of drinking. Mm. Oh, that's actually called the rebound effect. Oh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What happens is, thank you for bringing that up, Brody. Yeah, you're welcome. Because a lot of people use alcohol to mm-hmm. control their anxiety. But what happens is alcohol is a depressant. And so it depresses the anxiety center in your brain. So how I explain it to people is imagine a beach ball and alcohol is the hands and it's going to hold that beach ball underwater. Mm-hmm. What happens when you remove your hands? Well, that beach ball shoots, that's your anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so the alcohol suppresses your anxiety, but when the alcohol is removed and then that's where you get tremors and, um, you feel very anxious, like you're crawling out of your skin. Yeah. Thank you, Brody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know it was called anxiety. Yeah, I've never I've, heard of that. I've either. heard that before. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of alcohol, let's talk about weed because I've had many, many clients use weed because it is calming. You it think is. it's calming, but that yep. is what tipped them over to experience their first panic attack. And I think um, what I have seen professionally is because there are a few states where it's been legal for a while now, whether it's medicinal or recreational, mm-hmm. we've actually been able to study it. And what we now know is if you use marijuana long-term mm-hmm. to manage your anxiety, it will make your anxiety worse. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say, it's not causal, but there's a high likelihood that your anxiety could get worse from long-term marijuana use. Now, is that the same in terms of straight anxiety versus OCD? I've only seen it with anxiety. I haven't seen anything with OCD. Okay. Because I know like with medical marijuana, they're using it for people with OCD as obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. I'm going to stop you for a second, Fran, because I have people say to me all the time, oh my gosh, she's so OCD. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between OCD and what people just use like casually? Okay, let me give you a life example. No, you don't have OCD. No, I have to. Okay. I just have it runs in my family. So I have it, my mom has it, my grandma has it, both of my kids have different variations of it, but I will never forget. And I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, after Chicago, Illinois, or whatever. 
And my mom was like, the dog's doing something, run out there. Anyway, I go full speed running. I'm like junior high. And because she's so OCD and everything has to be freakishly clean, I Mm. thought the patio doors were open, but they were shut. So I smash (gasps) into the patio door and I knock myself on the ground. in her mumu and she's running and I'm like oh thank god she's gonna help me but she wasn't she was grabbing the windex and the paper towels because my no. face print had left a mark on the patio door and she was scrubbing that and i was like on the ground <laughs> okay this would be an example that would be a great example i want to invite your mom to my house because we have the 115 pound white lab that always checks the doors and windows she couldn't. No, and there's no, no, no prints no. everywhere like no. i would have to windex it constantly and i don't oh hell no that would be a hell that no. would drive her crazy yeah she left you laying on the floor yes because she had to get the mark off the Damn. i'm not making this stuff up yes so when you do look at anxiety like us as clinicians we have to look at is it ocd is it generalized anxiety is it ptsd is it um social anxiety we have to look at and what's the other one? panic attacks all mm-hmm. of these different things are different yep underlying is the the anxiety but right. they're all different but what's it in regards to so if, if there's no like big trigger no big thing then we know it's generalized where there's just this um general generalized sense of impending doom if you will mm-hmm. obsessive compulsive disorder um you have obsessive thoughts and if you don't perform the compulsive behaviors then the thoughts don't go away. So for example, um, I'm anxious unless I shut the lights off and on. I think that's what most people are familiar with um, seven times, or I have to click the seatbelt 15 times, or mm-hmm. I have to wash my hands for 13 minutes on the hour, every hour, whatever it might be. Because you're obsessed with a certain thought. And so you feel this compulsion to do something because that's the only thing that you think is going to relieve the anxiety. Yes. But then you have to do it more and more often. And these ritualistic kind of things are taking up half a day. First so, I do this, then I do this, then I have to do this. Is it biological in nature or can I just work really hard at being a better person and getting over it? I definitely think there's a genetic component to it. Yeah. But you I mean, I'm going to recommend therapy because you have to be taught response prevention. So let me give you an example. So I had a little kid come in my office and I used to hang these candles on my ledge or whatever. And I, they were uneven, supposed to be. Right. And I'm doing therapy and the kid's just staring at the candles and I'm like, what the heck are you looking at? And he's like, they're uneven. And I'm like, oh, does that bother you? I can't take it. So response prevention is teaching them relaxation and deep breathing. And it's like, guess what? I'm going to go over to the candles and I'm going to make them uneven. And we're going to breathe through this shit because you're not touching them. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so the kid got to the point where he'd laugh when he came in. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, you're trying to get me here. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) let's do our deep breathing. And it's like, they're crooked. And we're going to just leave it that way. Yeah. So it's exposure and just breathing through it and just letting it be, that kind of thing. And when it comes to exposure therapy, I really do recommend you do it with a therapist. Like, don't try to do this at home on your own because there are some tools and tricks that we help you um, utilize while you're doing it. So don't just be like, I'm afraid of something and I'm just going to sit in in it. Like, I'm not going to go in a shark cage tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So ladies, uh, questions from the Facebook, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is a great thing. We can, uh, we can promo the topics that are coming up and Mm -hmm. get people's actual questions. Um, they're asking for tangible tips for beating your anxiety or, or getting out of the anxious thoughts loop. Uh, those were some of the the two things And I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but um, a little bit. 
but that's okay. Sorry, yeah. you know. No, we're that's okay. Oh, we love fun. your help. Um, yeah, no, we are going to get to that because we do want some walkaways with this. All right, let's wait just a little bit because one thing I do want to talk about is what are some, because I think people think I either have depression or I have anxiety, and (laughs) right? And so what do you want to say about that, Becky? That's why I laugh. I just had this talk with somebody this morning. Um, Depression and anxiety, I want you to think of them as the cousins you don't want showing up at the family reunion, like either one of them, Mm -hmm. but they show up and often together. Mm -hmm. And it's just unfortunate. And a lot of times we see um, maybe a little bit more one than the other, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say a lot of times those two a-holes are hanging out together. Exactly. Or it's kind of tricky because it's like one will go under the surface. Like I, I don't have anxiety anymore. And then I'm depressed as hell. Yeah. And then the, it's reverse, yep. but dual diagnosis, the idea that you can have multiple things going on at the same time. Like you can also be addicted to alcohol. You can have that kind of addiction thing going on. You can also have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and anxiety. So I don't want anybody to think it's all or nothing. You can have more than one thing going on. And it's okay. Right. Yeah. It just, I mean, you can't control your brain. It's just how it goes. And again, as as Fran has said, it's genetics. Right. And so if your genetics, you know, invite that into your household, like our family reunion often includes those two cousins. Okay. So do you think anxiety and perfectionism are related? Hell to the yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm telling your mom. Seriously. You said a swear word. Yeah, sorry, Marie. I'm swearing. <laughs> We may or may not edit that out. Would you fucking watch your mouth? (laughs) So for those of you, um, I did get some feedback from my mom that I said shit too much and Fran didn't swear at all, which anybody that knows Fran knows that fuck is literally her favorite word in the universe. Oh, yeah. So sorry, Marie. Um, No, I do think that that OCD or not OCD, excuse me, anxiety and and perfectionism go along because And then perfectionism and procrastination. Shall we talk about those two people Mm -hmm. that hang out together? Absolutely. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. Yes. And so we were visiting once about perfectionism and Christmas cards. And (laughs) I have to say... Okay, so I get so, like, I get these Christmas cards, like, we just bought an Escalade, and we went to Hawaii four times, and my son has a 4.0 GPA, and blah-de-blah, and the picture is, they look like that vampire family in, what's the movie? Twilight. Yes. Picture perfect, you know, and so I remember, like, putting my kids in a lazy boy chair. They didn't have... (laughs) They did not have matching outfits at all because and I one was, was bawling and one was bawling and pinching the other one. <laughs> yes. And seriously, one year they both flipped me off and started <gasps> laughing at the same time. And I'm crying and I'm, I took the picture. It was I have awesome. proof. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to put this in a card and just going to say, Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> because we are not perfect. You know? Absolutely. And you know, when we were talking about this, I had to tell my Christmas card story because I am always only about 30% invested in anything I'm doing. So I'm like, I got to get these stupid Christmas cards out. Like what the hell ever. And we actually had, we took professional pictures. So the picture was great. I load them up to Snapfish, Shutterfly, whatever it was. And, uh, yep. Looks great. Click, add it to the cart. And then they come in, I freaking address, you know, address them, mail them out. Well, what I found out was I had ordered the stock card that has the story on the back where you can do your Christmas letter on the back, Yeah, but I didn't know that. And so (laughs) I 
I had cousins that I haven't heard from in years that were Facebook messaging me and going, so how was your family's backpacking trip through Switzerland? I'm like, what? So one of my good friends, she's like, I still have that card to this day because it was so ridiculous. So that was the stock answer. Or yeah, whatever, it was just whatever letter. little stock letter they had oh put on the God. back. Yeah. So we backpacked apparently through Switzerland and I don't know, saying and who knows what else. But really, we were just hanging out in Aberdeen, trying not to kill each other, which doesn't make as great of a story. But that whole idea of perfectionism where everything has to be a certain way. And if it isn't, guess what? We're not going to do it or we're going to put it off. So wait a minute. That leads me into let's talk about social media and anxiety. Mm, Okay. Why would social media contribute to anxiety? Because everyone's lives are perfect on social media and you're looking at yourself in your sweatpants going, okay, I suck and my family sucks and we don't even get along. And then you feel anxious because you're not living up to whatever expectations you have internally about how you should be living your life. Yeah. And it leads to depression because we're not doing that. We're not going to Hawaii four times a year. We're comparing all the time. And it's so irrational and unattainable. Like, mm-hmm. not everybody has the same life. And I have had, like, we do have a pretty decent family at the Cook household. And I've had people say, like, um, oh, I just love seeing your posts because your family just looks so awesome. I'm like, no, that's the Facebook version. Right. You know, you don't, I'm not going to post a picture of me in my pajamas with no bra on, mm-hmm. which is typically how I look at about 830 every evening, mm-hmm. yelling at my kids because they didn't do the dishes. Like, right. that's not a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. But it could be. But it should be. It really should. I'd like to see. No, nobody needs to see (laughs) Becky without a bra, except Jim, because he signed up for better or for worse. You know, funny story. So, you know, when my kids are going to have people over, they're like, Mom, we don't mean to judge or tell you how to live your life, but could you wear a bra tonight? (laughs) A little tip. See, no one would notice if I had one on or not. So don't, whatever. And it depends. So like, you know, our oldest has been dating her boyfriend for quite a while. No, there's no bra. He's Mm -hmm. part of the family. Just suck it up. If you don't like it, don't come over. I, you know what? I totally respect that. So how do you think anxiety impacts relationships? Like with, let's just talk about partners and husbands, wives, whatever. I think it can be really challenging, especially like, let's say social anxiety. So you have somebody who is either very extroverted or at least an extroverted introvert, if you will, and wants to do like the Northern Night or whatever fundraising thing might be happening in your community. And then their spouse is like, no, I can't. I I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. And then it gets really frustrating. Have you talked to my husband? Yes. I think I have. you have. Because yeah. he'll be like, let's go to bingo. No. How about we just go to the jungle and have a beer? No. Yeah. How about we just end up? No, I seriously, if he didn't drag me out of the house, sometimes I don't think I'd ever leave. I have to. Um, Jim's a banker and I have to be a banker's wife sometimes. Mm. And that means putting on the dress. You know, what, I, what I've noticed, though, is I get to those things and I'm dreading them and I always have a good time mm-hmm. because I just tell myself, you know what? You're here and you're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. But that's a really good point with anxiety is that anxiety tells you it's going to be horrible. It's going to be hell. People are going to be like, did you see what Becky was wearing? Oh my goodness. And you have to get that muumuu. It was ridiculous. You've never worn a muumuu. I've never worn a muumuu, but that's the anxiety talking. Right. I've never worn a muumuu. Okay, please don't. Because it's it's not flattering for anybody. Not even at home? Not even Italian mamas like my own. No, they're not flattering. 8.30 on a Sunday night? I can't. No muumuus. No. But, but once, yeah, it is. once you get over that hump of anxiety and you're there, I would say give it seven minutes. 
It's mm, so I much like better. You know, just seven. If you can get through those seven minutes, you can get through it. And it's so much better when you're there. You know, I read a Reese Witherspoon article or um, interview a few years ago. And she said, um, I wish everybody would just embrace the fact that they're dorks. Because we're always worried about, I'm going to come off like a dork. And she's like, what if we just introduce ourselves? Hi, my name is Reese and I'm a dork. Hi, my name is Becky. I'm a dork. Mm -hmm. And now we've got that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're worried about, that we're going to somehow look foolish. Right. With social anxiety anyway. Mm -hmm. I think if you're married to someone or dating somebody with anxiety, you feel like they're not listening to you. And they're Mm. not. Because what they're listening to is all that dialogue in their head telling them, all kinds of crap. And so they're not paying attention to you and they're crabby. Very crabby. Super crabby. It's hard to listen to that voice that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have to deal with someone who's just irritable all the time or short tempered. Not fun. Yeah. One of the best self-help books that I've read in a long time, and I don't like most of them, mm-hmm. um, is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. I love that book. I is, love if, it. I do. Yeah. If you're adverse to the F word, don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is. There's some cognitive behavioral tips in there, and I love the way he presents it. And the person he chose to narrate the audio version is fantastic. It is a great book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great tip. Now, what do you think about like if you're a parent and you're anxious, how does that play out? I've seen it play out in a few different ways, and you can, you know, definitely add into what you've seen. I've seen parents who are afraid to let their kids do anything because mm-hmm. they don't want them to get hurt. They don't want them to get sick. They don't want them to, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And so basically, they just keep them at home in a bubble. And um, in my opinion, that leads to a lack of social skills, um, you know, just not really the the same developmental speed. Now, that can always be regained, I mm-hmm. think. In my opinion, it can be. Um, But that's one thing I see. Mm -hmm. I think that they have um, expectations that are pretty high. Sometimes Mm -hmm. their perfectionistic tendencies spill over onto their kids. They're crabby with their kids. They yell a lot. They don't mean to. I am not dissing any parents with anxiety. I mean, I think it's rough to have anxiety and be a parent, but that's what I see with parenting quite a bit. I think uh, one of our colleagues recommends a book. um, Steph Sorensen recommends the book Present Over Perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't read it myself, but I've had a few people that have read it and they said it's really good, you know, in regards to being the perfect parent, which doesn't exist. I tell, I tell people all the time, welcome to the imperfect parenting club. Mm -hmm. Our membership is huge. Right. And includes people with degrees in this, with lots of years of experience who still screw up on the daily. I heard on the radio once like the new trend and it cracked me up because I couldn't even imagine it was like, if your kid is going on a job interview, the parent comes along as the helicopter parent. Can you imagine? Being what a, the holy hell? I know. Can you imagine being the potential boss and here's your applicant and their mom? You freaking kidding me. Wow. So my grad assistantship at Northern State University was in charge of the student referral and response program, Uh which means if you ended up on academic probation, you got to have a visit with Becky about how we're going to address that. I love it. And I had a mom call me. So this was 20 years ago. I had a mom call me and she's like, well, do you know that Johnny has to be up at class at 8 a.m.? And that's it. And I'm like, yeah, actually, that they do that on purpose, the Board of Regents. So, Mm -hmm. well, do you think that one of his uh, hall staff could wake him up? I said, No. I said, are you going to ask his boss someday to wake him up? Mm-hmm. And she was not happy, but, mm-hmm. it, you know, I was sassy little 28 year old. I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Yeah. You know what? Johnny's going to learn how to set a freaking alarm. Yeah. 
But, you know, and also feeling like they have to be the perfect parent. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on parents. Like, I got to yes. do it a certain way or I'm going to mess up my kids for And the life. problem is that certain way varies depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to breastfeed for 17 years or your kid is going to die at the age of 32. You should only do formula because studies have shown that formula is way better than breastfeeding. They should only go to public school, but then they're not going to get church and they should go to Catholic school and they should never do daycare, but then they won't be socialized. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. Right. And it depends on the type of personality your kids have. I mean, right. obviously, if you parent one way with Joey, that might not work with Susie. Yeah. And speaking of kids, while we're on the topic, um, I am seeing during this whole pandemic, you know, now that we're schooling at home, hey. kids that had anxiety, you're not getting them back to school. They're not going. This is reinforcing all of that school avoidance. Right. Yes. It's huge. And I feel for parents because you are in such a crappy situation. It's like, how do I be strong about this? How do I still be empathetic about this? How do I lay the law down about this? It's tough. What do you tell parents? Because I, you know, I don't see a lot of kids, Mm -hmm. um, but the, the couple I have that are you know, holdovers from families, um, school avoidance is an issue. Mm -hmm. And so what do you tell parents? First of all, I say we need to reach out to the school and I usually get involved in that. I have to say schools in our area are really helpful with it. I'm going to say, Joey doesn't want to come to school. What are you willing to do to help? Sometimes the principal will actually walk to the car and say, Joey, I'd be happy to walk you in. Um, they can't touch them physically, right? but they can be out there and help that parent. I mean, sometimes in all honesty, it gets so bad. They have so much truancy going on. Right. You might have to file a chins petition, which is a child in need of supervision, which means your kid's on probation. Right. And you're, and as a parent, you're really taken out of the equation for a lot of it. Right. It's the probation officer that's laying down the law now. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do those interventions or at least introduce those as a possibility to that kid, you may be getting a kid that you cannot get out of your house. Right. And that doesn't benefit anybody. No. And you can't physically drag them. Mm -hmm. You know, that I'm guessing anyway. I I always say that's not very helpful. Right. You can't drag them. Although it would be, you know, back in the old days, I probably would have got dragged in. Doesn't mean it's right. But you can't touch kids nowadays. and. You have to try to utilize whatever other supports you have. Yeah. I like that though. So parents should coordinate with a therapist and then also, you know, the three of you or two of you can coordinate with the schools to right. see what, what you can do. I like that. Mm-hmm. How do you treat like, okay, now mind you people, we are not giving you therapy. We are giving you helpful tips to cope with anxiety. So what are some helpful tips? For the love of God and everything that's good and holy, stay away from caffeine and energy drinks. Why? I like my monster drinks. Yeah. Do you love wow. your Do you love your anxiety? Because I, that's what it does, yo, <laughs> you sweet little lady, you. <laughs> so I do recommend, and also nicotine. So I'm a former smoker. I smoked like two million years ago, and I get when people say, "Oh no, cigarettes relax me." Mm, nope, they don't actually. Nicotine is a stimulant. So cigarettes, chew. Those are all not great things. Vaping. Um, is a, you know, that's just become a bigger thing in the last few years. And so I have visited with people and I'm like, if you're vaping, if you have anxiety and you're vaping your nicotine, like your banana flavored, your bubblegum flavored nicotine, every 10 minutes, mm-hmm. your anxiety is going to be rough to, to handle. Mm-hmm. So I do recommend, you don't have to eliminate caffeine, but you have to be very careful with it. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I think that's important. I also think, I mean, you need to pay attention to what is going on in your head. Yeah. Because I think we assume just because I think it, it must be true. That is the biggest pile of crap I have ever heard in my whole life. Like yep. if I put out loud what I think in my head, like, okay, should I wear this today? No, I might look stupid in that. Should I do this? Maybe I should put something in the crock pot. The dog just pooped in the garage. I should pick that up. Well, maybe Becky wants me to bring her something on and on just bull crap, right? right. We have to stop and say, wait a minute, let's pay attention to this monologue that goes on nonstop. And if it's telling you anxious thoughts, the number one thing is to be like, okay, that's anxiety. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to change my thoughts to something that's actually going to help me. Right. I will tell clients, first of all, tell your anxiety to go lay down by its dish. Mm -hmm. And secondly, with those anxious thoughts, I want you, so like, um, what if Becky thinks I'm stupid? What if I'm the worst employee where I work? You know, whatever those might be. I want them to come to me with proof. Mm-hmm. that that irrational statement is true. Mm-hmm. And it really needs to be proof, like not just because you think it, but mm-hmm. I want to know the proof of it. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah. The other thing, um, there's a book that you can get on Amazon. It's called The Thoughts and Feelings Handbook, I believe, by Matthew McKay. Mm-hmm. And it really is something that you can get. I highly recommend you use it with a therapist because we can help you with that. Uh, but it does do, you can develop your own treatment plan for anxiety, for stress, for depression, whatever might be going on. Mm-hmm. And it ta- it's, it's cognitive behavioral therapy based. So it is a lot about what are you telling yourself mm-hmm. and how could you change that inner monologue? Mm-hmm. For me, I know restorative yoga is really helpful with anxiety. Yoga is amazing for anxiety. It really, I mean, other than me fearing that I'm going to fart in yoga, which is stressful, the rest of it is pure bliss. Um, I think that's helpful. Massages, acupuncture, acupuncture. yep, those types of Reiki, things. Mm, R-E-I-K-I, which is just energy work. Um, we have a gal here in town, Natasha, with Vibrant Life does Reiki. And really what Reiki does is it just helps with emotional constipation, mm-hmm. <laughs> is what we say. So I highly recommend checking into that too. Mm-hmm. Another thing that really helps me is I hold all my tension in my shoulders So when you're doing your deep breathing and relaxation, which you should be doing throughout the day, I encourage people like tense up those muscles as tight as you can, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then release it. I do that literally while I'm sleeping. I will wake up in the middle of the night and I'm as tense as tense can be. It's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It is. And frustrating. It is. So I have to tell myself it. 1 30 in the morning. Okay. Just do some breathing and just tense it up and relax it. I went to a workshop many moons ago on burnout and we talked about the vagal response, which is your fight, flight, or freeze response. Is that different than a Kegel response? No, believe it or not, it's not. So there's three exercises you can do to help with the fight, flight, or freeze response. And they actually work in, in similar ways to like lorazepam, clonazepam, Xanax, but it's you're just doing these exercises. Mm -hmm. So the first one is um, belly breathing Mm -hmm. because we hold anxiety in our chest. So you want to belly breathe. Okay. Well, wait, what is belly breathing? There is a technique called box breathing. Okay. And so what I recommend people do the first few times, lay on, you know, a couch or whatever, put a box of Kleenex on your belly Mm -hmm. and make sure that your belly's going up and down Mm because then you know your belly's filling with air. Mm -hmm. So you want to inhale for a slow four count, hold for a slow count, exhale for a slow count, wait for a slow four count, and then begin again. So there's the box, four by four by four by four. So after you exhale, you're also doing another four count. You are, yeah. And there's a reason for that? 
Mm-hmm. The reason, at least that I learned, is that when you, after your exhale, your brain then is saying, you know, if you don't breathe, Becky, you're going to die. So all those thoughts get pushed out and all you can think about is actually getting air in. Yep. But then you teach your brain that I'm actually not dying. Right. I'm just waiting a four count. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. The next one, and these go in, in ascending order of effectiveness, re- relaxing your tongue away from the roof of your mouth. I am only able to do that on an exhale. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people can just do it. Um, But what a lot of people will notice is like around your eyes, that will relax. Your jaw will relax. And then ironically, the most effective one, you can decrease your blood pressure in as little as 30 seconds with this one Mm -hmm. is a reverse Kegel. A reverse Kegel. Kegel. So you relax your sex life because then you're pushing the other way. Not at all. Listen, woman, (laughs) you need to relax about the sex life. You can do Kegels and reverse Kegels, I promise you. Okay. So for those of you that don't know what a Kegel is, um, the best way to find out what that muscle is, is while you're urinating, stop the flow of urine. That's a Kegel contraction. And then when you start peeing again, that's a, that's a relaxing of the Kegel muscle. When your pelvic floor is relaxed, your vagus nerve cannot be activated. The fight, flight, or freeze response will not go. And so that is where the blood pressure comes down, the shoulders go down, everything relaxes. And the beauty of these exercises, you can literally do them anywhere and people may or may not know you're doing them. I'm doing one right now. Yeah. I'm not because I have to pee. Okay. Yeah. Do not do the reverse Kegel if you have to pee. (laughs) Or don't do it while you're sneezing. But when I do public speaking, I am relaxing my pelvic floor the entire time or Mm -hmm. else I'm crapping my pants. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks for the visual of that. You're so welcome. Okay. I'm here for that. So other things that can help is there's some great apps out there. If you are into your phone, which I am not, but there's the Calm app, there's Virtual Hope Box, which is really good. And what I always tell my clients is when you're doing the deep breathing, pair it with stuff that you do throughout the day. So when you wake up in the morning... Do your deep breathing. When you sit on the toilet, do your deep breathing. Before you eat a meal, do your deep breathing. Make it a habit. Yes. Do it several times throughout the day so that it just normalizes for you. Right. Because I always tell clients, I don't want you in an anxious situation and then go, what the hell were those stupid exercises Becky was telling me? Exactly. Exactly. You guys could do a whole episode just on mindfulness by itself. Absolutely. uh, Have you used the Headspace app? Headspace is another really good one, and it's um, more affordable than Calm. Calm is like 60 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Headspace is a really good one. Insight Timer is another good one. Um, I recently started using the app called IM, and so like I space AM, mm-hmm. and you can set it, and it will send positive affirmations to your phone, and you awesome. can decide what affirmations you want and how often you want them sent. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just be sitting throughout the day, and it's like, I'm proud of my growth. And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm proud Mm -hmm. of my growth. Right. Damn skippy. Which also helps with anxiety is building your self-esteem, you know, making yourself feel like I'm great. I'm not perfect, but I'm still good enough. So Fran, here's the big question. Why don't we just eliminate anxiety? Like, let's just be done with it. Oh no, we can't because it actually serves a useful function. Okay. So I always say, Think about anxiety on a scale from zero to 10. So zero means I have no anxiety, right? 10 means I'm going to have a stroke, right? (laughs) Yeah. The ideal place is the four, five, six range for performance. We want to keep it in that range. So if I'm going to take a test and I'm at a two, that means I don't give a shit. I'm checked out. I have no conscientiousness. I don't care how I perform. If I'm a 10, I'm immobilized and I can't focus. Frozen, yeah. So you do your deep breathing. 
and you ask yourself, where am I? If you're at an eight, great. Keep doing your deep breathing, get yourself down to a four, five, six, and that will help your performance. I've seen it like rust out versus burnout. So I've seen it described on a bell curve. Mm -hmm. So optimally, you want to be at the top of that curve. Mm -hmm. If you're too far to the left, we call that rust out, Mm -hmm. where you're just not engaged, like you said. Or And then if you're too far on the right side, then it's burnout. Mm -hmm. And so you want that sweet spot. You want that sweet spot. That's right. Because I think a lot of people think, I have to eliminate it to be okay. And that's a myth. I'm pretty upfront with clients. Anxiety is one of those things that you never eliminate. Mm -hmm. So if you function constantly at an eight or a nine, we're going to try and get you at a two, maybe Mm -hmm. a three. You're going to spike sometimes. But how much more enjoyable is life at a two or a three versus an eight or a nine? Right. Right. I also think that with anxiety, and we should close this because we could go on and on about anxiety, but I wanted to give people some takeaways about ruminating because that's a hallmark of anxiety is those thoughts that keep going around and around and around. And like, for example, let's say you have a conversation with somebody, you don't know them really well. And you go home then, and then you're like, okay, I said this. Oh no, what if I offended them? And then now they don't want to talk to me anymore. And then Have you crawled this. into my brain? Ah, oh, it's just analyzing. Seriously. analyzing what happened. It's exhausting, right? And you want to stop that feedback loop because yes. it goes, it perpetuates The feedback itself. loop from hell. Yes. So here are some simple takeaways. We have talked about some of them, some we have not. Number one, distract yourself. Find something else that engages your brain more than your anxiety. Animal Crossing. Okay, I know. My island's beautiful. Okay, that's okay. (laughs) Oh, thank you for your permission. Okay, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I like words with friends. I like going for walks. I like yeah. any kind of exercise really helps my anxiety. Exercise, I want to I do want to talk about that for a quick second. So, I it, how I explain it is we all have like one fuel source for a lot of these things. So the mm-hmm. same fuel source that you use for exercise, you also use for anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there, there's, and again, there's like different oxytocin and endorphins that go through when you exercise, but you're also just burning up some of that. Mm-hmm. And so your anxiety won't have as much fuel. Right. When you're exercising. The other thing is develop a plan of action. So my plan of action is if I'm ruminating, okay, I tell myself, stop, that's anxiety. It's ridiculous. Now, instead, I'm going to either exercise or I'm going to tell myself other thoughts like I do the best that I can. I don't need to keep beating myself up about every single incident. I'm a good person. People that truly like me are going to hang out with me, even if I say the F-bomb, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you execute that plan every single time you start ruminating. You have to break that habit. What about, I've read something about three facts. So when you're ruminating, just come up with three facts. My name is Becky. My birthday's in March. I have a dog. Sure. And you just keep repeating that. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything to distract yourself and Mm -hmm. shift that attention to something else, I think is positive. Okay. Okay. So you also want to question your thoughts just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. It's probably bull. It's my anxiety talking. So just don't assume just because I think it, that is true. It's probably not. Right. What else can we tell people as takeaways? Well, we've talked about meditation, the Calm app, um, Headspace, um, understanding your triggers, I think is a really good one. You know, there are things that will just make you um, become more anxious. And that's the, those are unique to everybody. Um, I'm very scared of snakes. Snakes and sharks are the bane of my existence. Podcasts. 
podcasts. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. What's the trigger? I didn't. I did not sleep well last night because yeah. when we were recording. So yeah, I just know. understanding those things. So are you pitting out right now? No, I'm not either. Yeah, no, I'm doing okay. Okay, it's good. Brody's calming influence. It really is. Yeah, what would we do without Brody? I, I mean, don't know. It's only natural to be scared of snakes and sharks. I mean, sharks are godless killing machines. You Seriously. put bears right up there too. I mean, you, there's there's no no godly reason that any person should go in the ocean, in my opinion. So I I'm, love the I'm ocean, but I'm always like, you know what? This is their playground. I am in their house. Nope, hard no. Nope. So I think we've given a lot of good takeaways. I do too. So you know what I'm going to say? What are you going to say? We're the shrinks. And that's a wrap.